0: Hi, this is tony gargan and welcome to the presenting pitching and public speaking podcast in this next section we're going to be sharing with you the serious business of having fun how to incorporate humor within to your speech humor is absolutely imperative within your speeches whether that be in your face-to-face speeches in your videos or even in your written copy it's really really important to add it in the one key learning that i'd love everyone to take away and it is that humor is learned Nobody is just born funny. Humour is a learned skill and it's something that each and every one of us can do. And there are so many different formats that we can add in humour within our speeches. So we're going to look at a few different examples in turn and then some real life examples of where these have been used. So I mentioned earlier on that I call out to the fact that I'm from Liverpool and I'm a Scouser, it's a stereotype. And this is a form of self-deprecating humour So I might call out the fact that I'm from Liverpool. If I'm starting an event, I might tell everyone not to worry, you know, that I'm going to steal their wallets and watches. However, the cars might be on bricks outside. It's about releasing the pressure. It's about letting people know that it's okay to have fun. And if you're enjoying your delivery, if you're enjoying writing your copy, if you're enjoying conveying that message, that will transfer to your audience and they will understand exactly why and connect with you more in terms of your message. So, so many different forms of self-deprecating humour. If you think of the stereotypes for a scouser, so you can always think of the calm down, calm down and people wearing wigs and really dodgy moustaches. So that's an example of self-deprecating humour. There are lots of different comedians who use this, lots of different speakers who use this. So Sarah Millican is a prime example of a comedian who used self-deprecating humour really, really well. She talks about being a female comedian and the fact that she's a little bit different to other people. She also talks about people judging her for the way that she looks and for her size. And she makes reference to what many of us would refer to as a muffin top. That little bit of overhang over the top of your jeans. And Sarah Milliken says that she goes one step further. She owns it really, really well. And hers is a full on cake shelf. Self-deprecating humour that means it's okay to laugh and to have a little bit of fun. And you can actually add this into any one of your speeches as long as you're being a similar person with a special process, as long as you're not completely depositioning yourself. So it's absolutely vital that you practice these forms of humour. As I mentioned earlier on, it's a learned form of humour. It's not that anyone is born funny. It's actually a learned process And one of the ways that you can determine how it will land in front of a live audience, how people will interpret it, is to actually test it out. So it may be that you've got some, what you would call canned humour, i.e. people have stock jokes that they will use at certain points within their speech or in their delivery. And quite often this comes from someone just saying it off the cuff and it then becoming a rehearsed or a practice part. I'm definitely guilty of this when I've taken the mickey out of myself a little bit or I've laughed a little bit about myself and other people in the audience have laughed, it triggers that thought in you of maybe I should add that in as a regular joke because we know that it's going to land quite well. That's exactly how the self-deprecating humour of being a scouser and not being a thief came about in all of my speeches. For any of you who've seen me speak live, you'll know that it's quite often said but it's mentioned in a different way each time and that becomes one of your stock Jokes it becomes one of your stock points, and it adds some humour within to your speech. Now, it's really really important to note that you shouldn't undermine yourself, you shouldn't deposition yourself by adding in too much humour, especially if your speech is meant to be a content driven piece or it's meant to be an, an educational piece that you're delivering. You are fine to have a little bit of humour in there, but too much is going to make it a joke, It's going to make it farcical. So it's about finding that balance between the two. It may be that you have some jokes in there, maybe you've got some one-liners or some jokes about your subject matter, something that people find funny, or maybe even a funny anecdote. So I deliver progressive property and unlimited success trainings quite regularly, and one of the trainings that I deliver is the Expert Speaker Discovery, a one-day event into public speaking. And I start the day quite often by explaining to people that there is an actual fear of public speaking. It has its own term. It's called glossophobia. And glossophobia is the fear of public speaking. And it is in the top three fears in the world. Jerry Seinfeld explains this far better than I can when he explains that in the top three are both public speaking and deaf. And that statistically speaking... More people fear death less than public speaking, i.e. they're more scared of public speaking than they are of dying. So the analogy, the anecdote that Jerry Seinfeld uses is that at a funeral, statistically, more people would rather be the one in the coffin than the one giving the eulogy. It's a great way to really release the tension and explain to people that in reality, public speaking is often feared. But in some cases it's feared more than death when in reality what is the worst that can happen when you're given a public speech? Maybe people don't react well to your joke. There are so many ways that you can do that to turn it into a positive. So it might be that you say, scratch that, I won't do that joke anymore. It might be that people actually laugh because the joke that you've given, the joke that you've offered isn't actually funny and then it becomes funny. It becomes a part of your set. It becomes a part of your delivery. There are alternative ways that you can use humour within your speeches, within your stories. And it can be things like having a catchphrase, something that you are renowned for. And if you think of many of the different comedians, whether that be a stand-up comedian standing on the stage, or Tommy Cooper, just like that, or maybe it's on TV programmes, so people like Victor Meldrew's, I don't believe it! Or you've got Homer Simpson's, don't! All of these different things, one line, two line, three line phrases, one word, two word, three word phrases that become their catchphrase. And you can call upon these by having your own catchphrases within your speeches. Maybe you're renowned for saying something and it's become your catchphrase. Or maybe you can add something in that can become your catchphrase. Quite often, you don't even need to say anything other than that catchphrase for people to laugh. So if you think of Catherine Tate, many different guys, many different characters but you hear the phrase, am I bothered? And it just makes you laugh out loud. If you've got those catchphrases and you've got those humorous parts to your story, it can really, really bring your story, your speech, and your delivery to life. One thing to note though is that timing is absolutely key. And this is definitely something that is learned, and it's about letting a joke land. Quite often, if we're delivering a joke or a funny anecdote or we're saying a one-liner that we've not done previously, we'll be so keen to check that it did land that we'll actually talk over the end of it. So having a key catchphrase that you can use maybe once or maybe repeatedly through your speech can really add that depth and that level of humour. And it also releases the pressure, particularly if your content piece, your delivery, your speech, whatever it is that your message, maybe it's around a really dry subject. So recently I delivered an expert speaker discovery day and I had a lovely lady in there who'd said that she was um, trained in law. And she had to deliver a lot of trainings to her colleagues around that subject. And she'd said that law was a really dry subject, but that she'd never attempted to add humour into it. And what she was going to go do from there on is try to add in just some one-liners or some jokes or some humorous little stories to make it more enjoyable, both for her and for her delegates, her audience. Because that brings me on to a really, really important point that there is no point doing this if it's not fun. Hopefully it shows through that I absolutely love what I do in terms of public speaking. So whether it be in a recorded format or whether it be face to face with a live audience, hopefully it shines through that I love what I do and I truly enjoy it, have fun with it and I add humour into it. I'm not a naturally humorous person, but I'm the type of person who really likes to have fun. And one of the key things that people say, one of the best compliments that people give is that you're the same on and off stage. So if in life you've got a really dry sense of humour in everyday life, add that into your delivery. Again, model the best but still be you. I'm not suggesting that people should start using comedians' jokes and try and deliver them in the same way the comedian does because you'll never ever get it to land in that respect. But by having the right timings, delivering in the right format and having jokes that are comfortable for you to say will really work within your favour. It may not necessarily be just jokes though. Humorous stories, examples of things that have happened in your life to convey a message, providing there is a message to be conveyed and your humorous story depicts that it will really, really work to your advantage because people really enjoy listening to a story as well as content. It can really emphasize a key point. So delivering a training event, as I walked up to the stage, ladies you have to be careful about what you wear on stage, and as I walked up to the stage I stepped up got halfway across the stage and realised I only had one shoe on and I'd left the other shoe off at the edge of the stage. It had fallen off and I had to just carry on regardless. Now, at that point, I had a choice. I could either carry on trying to deliver the training with just one shoe on, which probably wouldn't have worked too well, or I decided to do what I did, which was to just call it out. That's another key lesson, call it out. So I just made a point of saying, now that I'm on stage, and thank you very much for that nice warm welcome, I'm just going to head back and go and get my shoe because I don't fancy delivering the entire training day with only one shoe on. And the audience laughed. It released the pressure because undoubtedly people will have seen that I've walked on the stage and one of my shoes hasn't. So it's about calling it out and just letting the process happen. This is what we call utilisation. It's one of the best tools in your toolkit as a speaker. Utilisation is all about letting the event happen. Just letting it happen. What will be, what will be. Risk it and be in the moment. So I've got a number of different examples of when this has happened in training events. Um, It will have been when people, if someone's phone rings when you're sat and you're delivering an event. I've been delivering a joint venture event, teaching people how to joint venture in business and in property. Somebody's phone rang and your immediate response, my immediate response was quick answer the phone. It might be a deal. It releases the pressure for you and for the audience. Utilization might be when something happens that's unexpected. And it's about just letting the event happen. And quite often that then becomes the most endearing or the funniest part of that speech. Just let the event happen. But as well as utilisation, callbacks are key. So all I had to do after my shoe had fallen off while I was delivering a training session was every time I pointed to that spot on the floor and said, well, it could be worse. Everyone laughed. And that's what's known as a callback effectively what we're doing with a callback is we are borrowing existing humor so something that's happened earlier on in the day something that's been funny all you then have to do is call back to that either by mentioning the shoe that was left on the floor or by pointing to the place in the room where it's happened by mimicking the phone ringing and putting the phone to your ear if someone's had a phone call in the middle of your delivery or whatever the callback is whatever the humorous part that has happened just calling back to it So many comedians do this. So if you think particularly of when comedians will tend to pick on the front row an event. If you've ever been to an event or you've ever watched a stand-up comedian, quite often those in the front row get picked on. And when they get picked on um, and they add a little bit of humour into it, it might be that they find out, they'll always ask what job you do or what your name is or what you do for a living. It can be two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through that same delivery through that same comedy stint that comedy sketch that all the comedian has to do is call back to the individual their name and their job or to point to the place where they're sat and we can borrow that existing humor so many comedians do it really really well jimmy carr is really one of these people who does it i absolutely love jimmy carr he's you know the king of the one-liners the put downs and really quick wit but what he'll tend to do is call back to the people who he's picked upon earlier on in the comedy stint There's also the element of surprise. This really, really works in your favour in terms of humour. If we're leading someone down a garden path, people expect that the outcome is going to be one particular way. It can be really funny if the outcome is something that's completely different. And again, many different comedians do this. Many different comedians play upon this. And it's part of their brand. It definitely becomes a part of your brand. Because your brand should be that you have a style that's your own and that you're known for, or maybe that you're stereotyped for, as for me with being from Liverpool or a memorable image. So it might be that your brand that makes you humorous. If we think of speakers that, of comedians that we've already mentioned, if you think of Tommy Cooper, it's the red fez with the black string. People think of that. It makes them think of him. It makes them think of his catchphrase. It becomes funny. For people like Lee Evans, Lee Evans as a comedian, you know, the image of him, the brand of him He doesn't even have to say anything funny when he walks onto a stage. It's the way that he presents himself, the way that he moves with his shoulders hunched and his arms swinging and he looks like a monkey when he comes onto the stage. And that gets people rolling in the aisle straight away. His brand that he stands for, and people will love him or people will loathe him for it, we talked about polarisation in earlier sections, is that people love him for that. He is literally the only comedian that I've ever seen sweat through both a shirt and an entire suit. It's part of his brand, he keeps a lot of water on stage, he has to wipe his face down and mop his brow because he sweats so profusely. It's all about silly voices and exaggerated movement. That's his brand. Now if I were to try and mimic that when I stand on a stage, people would laugh at me for all of the wrong reasons. If I'm to deliver, public speaking training and I walk on, shoulders hunched, arms swinging like a monkey and I sweat profusely through all of my clothes. I keep a towel on stage and I dab my face down and I do silly voices and silly faces. That's me not being my true to my own brand. That's me trying to mimic somebody else. So you can use other people's jokes, analogies, catchphrases maybe, but to get the credit, you've still got to give the credit. So always give the credit to those that you've stolen the humour or borrowed the humour from exaggeration. Exaggeration can really, really add to your humor. And again, Lee Evans is a prime example of this because he really exaggerated movements. He's quite over the top. His tone, his body language all becomes really exaggerated. And you can do this in your delivery if you're exaggerating a point, if you're emphasizing a point, or if you have people who you're trying to create a character for within your speeches so, within your speeches, it may be that you give someone a really kind of different accent. You really exaggerate the accent, make it over the top. That if you're playing the part of two different characters within a story that you're telling, that you move from one side of the stage to the other side of the stage. When you're being one character, you stand stage left. When you're being another character, you stand stage right. The way that you hold your face, the way that you move your arms and you move your body. Lee Evans does this perfectly by playing different characters. Another prime example is, is Catherine Tate, as we mentioned. She's got her, you know, her different characters from the young lady dressed in a school uniform with a chavy accent and Emma Bovard to the grandma who's completely different and she's really fun. And it's about playing those characters and going full out. We always say that, particularly if you're delivering on a video or on stage, that you need 150% for it to actually show 100%. An additional form of humor is repetition. It may be that you add things and you repeat things for added humor, so it might be a catchphrase like the ones we've previously mentioned. it might be repetition of a particular point to emphasize it it might be repetition of a joke a few times to say it or a particular movement. All of this adds humor to your speech and providing you're still getting the content in there and that you're still you're littering this throughout rather than putting it all together. So I remember hearing from Rob Moore, because I think Rob Moore is an amazing speaker, and he's actually really funny. He's got a number of different jokes, some which people have heard before, some which people haven't. And I do remember one of the things that he'd said was that he was trying to be funny, and he top-loaded his speech with his humour. So if you've got maybe five, six, seven jokes, and you're doing an hours-long stint, those five, six, seven jokes should be littered throughout your speech, or the stories, or the anecdotes, or the um one line is should be littered throughout your speech and i remember rob telling us the story when he decided that he was just going to play you know people were laughing at his jokes, so it was funny so he decided to do a few more and then he realized that he completely front loaded all of it so all of his jokes were done and dusted within the first 10 minutes and he's maybe got an hour or two hour stint with no further jokes no further humor to add to it doesn't necessarily work in your favor So it's about managing those jokes as well. It's about managing the humour, about having a mix of different types of humour within there. Because if you do, for example, self-deprecating humour all the way through your speech, you're actually going to deposition yourself. You can completely undermine yourself and you can um, turn people off and turn your audience off. So not enough humour can make it quite dry. Too much humour can make it, too fun, too playful and really not get your message across. So the way in which you get your message across in the right way is to have the right measure of humour within there and the only way to determine that right measure is to test. Test with friends and family when you're practising your speeches, test on smaller audiences, test on comfortable environments where people know you and they like you and they trust you. It might be that you have you know, satirical humour, it might be that you do something that we call newsjacking, which is focusing on something that's relevant in the news at that point and then turning it into a positive. Ellen DeGeneres does this really, really well. So she might mention some of the things and she calls them out, what we called earlier on, calling them out. So the bad things that are happening in the news, maybe there's been, you know, a terrorist attack and something really negative happening in the news. And she will emphasise it and draw attention to it, But then also completely flip it on its head and say these are, you know, the bad things that are happening in life right now but let's have a look at all of the awesome things that are happening. And she'll show funny things and she'll show humour and she'll show people who are doing things to help and give back to others. Each of us have our own preferred methods of humour and it's about finding the right one for you, the level that you're comfortable with, emphasising it, being all out, you've got to play full out, making sure that your timings are absolutely key because the worst jokes are the ones that are half done the ones that are half-baked, that you've not really committed to. So if you're going to commit to a joke, do it. And also think what is the worst that can happen. Because if your joke doesn't land, providing you call it out and say, scratch that, I'm not going to be doing that joke anymore. You know, it's not funny. I'll remove that from the next speech. You can always overcome it. Those mistakes, that utilisation can even become a part of your brand. So it's really important that you have fun while you're delivering your speeches. That's why I've call this section a serious business of having fun because it is really really important that you have humor within your speech but it's also important that it's delivered within the right way so by that i mean that you have to have the right level of energy to match your humor so each of us have our own natural level of energy and we'll do a full section on this in, an, in another section but in terms of your energy we'll all have a default rob moore's is ramp mode Mark Homer is a lot more measured, a lot more detailed. But I ask you, what is your natural default energy? And it's absolutely key that you know and understand it. For me, I'm a little bit of a Joris bunny. I'm quite hyperactive. I'm quite loud. I'm quite energetic. So for me, that's my natural level. So humour at that level will be absolutely fine. Delivering a speech at that level will be absolutely fine. But too much of it will be too much for the audience. So you actually create a journey for people with your energy. So when using humor within your speech, there might be some areas whereby if you're if you like me have a natural really buoyant hyperactive bouncy energy that you need to take the tone down just a little bit, you need to lower your energy just a little bit to actually let the joke land. Vice versa, if like Peter Jones, you're quite measured, you're quite quiet. I distinctly remember Peter Jones on our first training day being really funny, but in a different type of humour. He had a lot of self-deprecating humour within there, but it was really measured. It was quite quiet. So your energy depicts how the humour lands. So whatever your natural or default energy is, it's important that you identify it, that you own it, but that you also understand how to rein it in or raise it up when you need to to make the humour land. That energy being in your timings too, it's absolutely key to let the human land, but not have too much of a pause that it becomes an uncomfortable silence. So it's about key timing in there and your energy does create that journey. It creates an experience for your listeners. And the way that we work upon this, the way that we perfect this is through practice, is through that polarity. Because if you think of any of the comedians that I've mentioned, Catherine Tate, and um, The victim, Maldry character, Homer Simpson character, Lee Evans, Jimmy Carr, Sarah Millican, Tommy Cooper, Jimmy Seinfeld. When I mention their names, some you may think, yeah, they're really funny, they're great. And others you might really dislike. You don't like their humor. You don't like their energy. And that polarity is a good thing. Because If you recall back to earlier sections, we talked about the fact that you will never please all of the people all of the time. And then it's actually really important that you use something that we call situational awareness, which is where you measure the energy. So it may be that it's coming to later in the day. Maybe it's after the lunch break and everyone's already eating their sandwiches and their crisp and all of the beige food that you can imagine. And that carb coma really sets in. Situational awareness will identify to you that there is a bit of an energy lull. And as a speaker as a person delivering a train and a speech or any format of public speaking. It's your responsibility to measure that situational awareness and this might be exactly where you use your humour to really raise the energy. Not only that, but your movement can do it too. So if you're quite a rigid speaker, you stand in one spot for more than the other then at one spot, should I say, for more time than you do moving about the stage, then it's really important that you add in additional movement, particularly when making your jokes or adding a character in, you might use more movement to exaggerate it. Vice versa, if like me, you are the, you know, a Duracell bunny who moves around the stage a lot and paces a lot, by taking a seat, by sitting down, you can really change the energy within the room. So by creating that interaction by having those jokes in there, by allowing the pressure to be released, particularly if it's a dry or difficult or a dark subject that you're explaining, you can really change the course of the delivery of your speech. I truly believe that humour is a learned trait and that each and every one of us can learn it, can practice it, perfect it and implement it in any of our speeches. So to summarise, humour within your speech is absolutely vital. Find the right level for you. The humorous part that you are comfortable delivering, whether that be jokes, funny anecdotes, maybe just a funny story to release the pressure in the middle of your speech, whether it be your catchphrases or your one-line equips that you're renowned for, or whether it's just being different and having a brand that is quite humorous. It's absolutely vital. It's really important to note that it is a learned trait and any one of us can do it. So start looking at some of the best speakers. Start looking at the best comedians. Don't reinvent the wheel. Own the traits of the greats. Incorporate it within into your speeches and have fun while you're delivering your public speeches. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please subscribe and listen to more further episodes of the podcast to learn how public speaking can benefit you in your everyday life.